Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Uh, that's my, my cold open Can you right imagine there. my mother on that bus? First. <laughs> <laughs> No, she thinks it's stupid. Well, she don't even know. She, what do you mean? What's a podcast? She wouldn't care. Mom, I'm on podcast. Mom, guys. Yeah, that's nice. See that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great back, everybody, to the Italian-American Power Hour. It is great to have you back after our two-week break. This is your friendly neighborhood moderator, John Viola, back with you from my own apartment tonight. So we are coming to you live after probably one of the most stressful weeks we've ever had trying to get this show out on the air. Can I jump in a second? Go right ahead, because my the partner part, crime is here. We have to have a two-part podcast, because it's a pre-podcast you never get to hear. Because it has to be censored. Yeah, we need this. It's a censored podcast. Membership only. There's so many decency, PC police. There's so many people who could probably... What's the word I'm looking for? Censor. Edit. Censor. Censor. Yeah. But we really wish... Maybe one day we'll have the uncensored version because I think it's even much more fun. Yeah, we're going to have to just redact names only, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, you guys are in for a real treat tonight because this is going to be one of the wackiest episodes you've ever heard. You'll notice that... Pat and I are together right now, and we're joined by a it's brand new voice. Yeah, it's late night. On a, yes. It's late night on a Friday night. Post event. Post event. Yet another Italian American event, and one of our people. cohorts at this Italian American event is our very good friend, Miss Alyssa Scotty. Thank you. She Thanks is joining so us, uh, and we we've longtime friends, all of us. And Alyssa, amongst her many accomplishments in the Italian American community, was former secretary and part of the Youth Auxiliary Board of the Columbus Citizens Foundation here in New York. We've all marched in the parade together, done a lot of these things over the many years we've known each other, many of these dinners. And so if you hear us a little bit worn out, it's because we're doing yet another Italian-American dinner, right? People. That's great, yes, yeah. and thank you for I had having four me. Th- oh, we oh, love yes, 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 thank you. Making you one of the panelists with us is a, is a big pleasure. Absolutely. Happy to be here. It's going to be a good night. So, you, get, you get it. I yeah. do get it. You get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You've we're got credentials from, here. We're cut from the same cloth here, Pat. You know, that's what I like For to better, say. for worse. Hey, listen, it's, but we're it's, in it together. It's, that's it's all group the, therapy. You're all in this with us together. That's what the show is. That's it. The show is group therapy. And I just want to point out, that, uh, I think the audience may question whether or not I actually have a wife. We're, she's here. We're, we're in our apartment. I can vouch for that. Yeah. She's present. I've known her the longest. Yeah, you have Sorry. known her the longest. That's true. I have known her the longest. But she just refuses to participate in my... She's Italian too, but she refuses to participate. So. And they have an Italian dog named Rocco. Rocco's yes, we do. Also. He's the amazing Italian bulldog. Yeah. And he's in the apartment too. Yeah. Uh, but so the reason that I think we're all so weary tonight, uh, not only the, the event drunk. that we're going to explain to you, but the intention was to record this show on Monday and it's now Friday and <laughs> the original intent for this show was we blocked be, out a whole day we on did. Monday yeah we did we had a, a whole time set aside 
You'll see when you download the title of the show is The Greatest Podcast That Never Happened. And uh, that's because on Monday we set out to recognize that Tuesday was going to be Carnevale, the day before Lenten season starts on Ash Wednesday, Mardi Gras in the French language, uh, Martigraso Grasso in Italian, but really Carnevale, the, the day of celebration. In honor of that, Pat and I had set out to make a Neapolitan specialty from that day. Why don't you explain Which that? I make all the time. To- I don't know. Should we even go into this? Part? Yeah, please. That, that's <clears throat> the original point of the show. All right. I'm going to give you the historical background because it, it might lessen the blow. Should I? Well, we're going to get into the historical background at the end. We we were going to make sanguinage. I make sanguinage every year. Um, And a good friend, Eleanor LaGuercia, who was an Italian immigrant who came from Sassano in the province of Salerno, the Val di Diano, which John and I know the Val di Diano very well, came to the United States in the 1990s. And we have access to FDA-regulated pig blood. (laughs) I, you heard you that. Can't make that. How many people just turned <laughs> off? How many yeah. people just did you lose on that? Once we open an online store, that should be With our big pig product. Blood. Pig blood. A gallon of it's warm, in a, in a sealed blood. gallon. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was on a little FDA board. FDA approved. What, what kind of regulations do the FDA because have? Because the FDA very heavy, heavy around the pig because blood. Because the right. Hispanics, amongst other people, the Irish do as well, use pig blood in sausages. Oh, so like so, the, yeah, the so the New York metro area, there's a lot of access to FDA-approved pig blood. All right. um, FDA in Italy, at this time of year, especially in the old days, the pig would be slaughtered because it was cold enough outside. Mm-hmm. So you could hang the meat pieces and stuff before you process them. And when the pig was butchered, the blood would be gathered. Now, the blood had to be turned consistently because if you don't, the pig blood... Coagulates, and that's how the Chinese eat it as a coagulated product. So, my friend Elena had company here from Italy because her niece had gotten wedding, a fantastic one of the greatest weddings I ever went to on Saturday. So, I was going to go on Monday, pick up the pig's blood, which I had pre ordered, get it to Elena, and Elena and her cousins who were visiting from Italy were going to make the sanguinach with John because John has never made sanguinach. With the real pig's blood, because now in Italy you can't get the real pig's blood commercially. And so the cousins from Italy were very excited about that. And so that was the original intent of the show. We're going to talk about evolving food traditions. How you make it. Yeah, how you make it. Go through the whole thing. And we set out to. We're going to tape the Italians. We're going to tape Vincenzina about her wedding on Saturday. We had a whole vision, a whole vision. See, Amash, she married Dominic. We had this all set up. Ellen was going to talk about coming from Italy and all this stuff. This was like, because John is the captain of of the ship, for those of you who haven't figured this out. (laughs) And John John steers the ship. So, John, this was John wanted to do this episode. So, we're all excited about this episode. So I go get the pig's blood. I go over to Eleanor's house and you could take it from there. So, you know, keep in mind, Pat is at this wedding, right, on Saturday night, a very boisterous Italian wedding. And so then Monday comes around and we're ready to do this and we go and all of Eleanor's cousins from Italy are still there. And it was pretty quickly into the process that I realized there was no way we were recording this show because... Everybody's screaming in Neapolitan. We get to the basement. Yeah, it was a basement. Because oh. Blood, Blood Central was in the basement. Yeah, and it was just like... It and they had this huge cauldron. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that wasn't a pot, that was a cauldron. Yeah, it was a cauldron, yeah. That's like what the witches And the big use, spoon, the, the big, like the four-foot spoon. Right, and yeah. all these people from Salerno, yeah. all they care about is that they get the pig's blood. So the blood, they just kind of rushed it in. It's yeah, kind of like they it was like banged it out. They took I mean, it, yeah. they banged out, they were waiting, they put it in this big pot. And it's a lot of pictures. work. It's, it's actually work. I mean, it takes time. It's not It's not a yeah, quick it's not process. It's an overnight thing. Yeah, yeah we, we, we spent some time. And then 
of course, what I didn't pick up on is we, not only we were not recording yet, but we hadn't eaten yet. So Ellen had made homemade ravioli. Uh, they're huge. Roach. In the Val di Diana, they call them raffaiola. Yeah. And they're square. Yeah. They're square and they're huge. But they're like Pop-Tart sized. They're Pop-Tart sized raviolis. For, for all of you many so guys, guys out there, yeah, they, those are when, Pop-Tarts. When yeah. I'm at the wedding, they said, oh, come over Monday and we'll make the sanguinach and we'll eat. And then they go, is John coming? And I go, yeah, they go, oh, we'll put on a nice meal. So, so the, I guess so the, the so raffiola was the up uh, John upgrade. I got the, I don't, I I got the, the upgrade. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I think the American part of your mind thinks, we'll go and we'll make sanguinach. We'll, we'll go. Mm. But it was a full evening. So we left there at 10.30, nowhere near recording anything, 11 o'clock, whatever it was. And so we said, okay, you know what? We've had our fun tonight. We'll record on Wednesday. So the intention on Wednesday was to go back into the old neighborhood in Brooklyn Go to the social club and record the social Eleanor club. Because Eleanor says, it's like Eleanor saying, oh, you guys are tired because we had to eat. We had to uh, taste the sanguinach. We had to put it in the containers. Who came, who left. So she's like, all right, come Wednesday to the San Cola, the Jano Club. She's the president of the Sassanese organization. Come there. I have a real quick me and then we'll take. So, so we show up. Then, number one, they're not ready. So me and John go for a coffee at Fortunatos, right? <laughs> so, so an hour later, after our intended time, the meeting starts. We've had two, okay. two or three coffees at Fortunatos. And we had a conversation that would have been a great podcast if we didn't have to have censors. Yeah, that's true. We that's had a very, true. very good Italian conversation, as we usually do. And we get to the meeting, and we think it should be over, but it's only just Sure, we walk in expecting that they're going to walk out. Yeah. And it was like candid camera surprise. <laughs> yeah. They started sharing with us some of the stuff that was going on in the club, and we They had a club. Can I just Advice givers. They, they had a whole... We got sucked into an internal matter. Yes. Of an Italian club... That fights and screams like every other Italian club. Yes, and and because we yes is our opinion because we spend so much. And time. I'm like, why are we here? We had no idea we were going to this. Yeah, we Go thought ahead. we were recording already, and so there we were. A half hour turned into 45 minutes. It turned into an hour, which turned into one cup of coffee. And another 10:30 an night. And a half turned to a 10:30 night. And so what ended up being another 10:30 night of not recording. About halfway through, while everybody was yelling at each other, Pat turned to me and said. This is going to be the podcast that never happens. And I said, oh my gosh, that is the episode. That, it felt like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, this is really what it is. We yeah. are surrounded by crazy Italian people. And it's how we choose to spend our lives. And so this, Which is a sickness. This is what the episode's kind of about. Yeah, this is, a, this is how we therapize each other. So now, lead us to why you're we're recording tonight. You're probably sick too because you're listening. So we're all yeah, that's true. You're on the clan. And why are we recording tonight? We're recording tonight late at night in my apartment because we spent our evening, all of us here at the table, at the gala dinner for La Scuola d'Italia because I've been a supporter of La Scuola d'Italia for many, many years. I'm a member of the board of directors. La Scuola, for those of you who don't know, is the nation's only bilingual English and Italian school uh, here in Manhattan, New York. It's a phenomenal institution and we spent the night there. And of course, the thing about going to these galas is you catch up with dozens and dozens of people that, that it's like the gala crew, like the, the people that go to this stuff. I think for those who are out of the New York metro area, there's a whole cast of characters of Italian Americans who are on the Italian American charitable gala circuit. In New <laughs> yes, York. they are. And it's kind of like um, it's like baseball, so you call a pitcher in and you call a pitcher out. <laughs> you see the and same so it's, it's, it's like a, it's a, there's like uh, there's there's a set amount of people who participate in this. You never see everybody, but you always see people drawn from the same. Yeah, you see the same pool. You, you, you switch them in and out. There, there is a team. And of course, Sunday. So now, for those of you who are keeping score, Pat did an Italian wedding on Saturday. 
We both spent the day making sanguine out Monday. Tell people this. This is not a good Wednesday thing. was the society meeting. Friday, the gala. I had a Unico event last night that I was invited to. So oh, you, you are one. beating me bad. You're, you're too up on me. I'm too up on you already. And then, then Sunday will be the award ceremony for the Federazione, Federazione Campania USA. Oh, Federazione Campania USA. And is, John is being honored. I am. Yeah, and I'm receiving, oh. believe it or not, the Lifetime Achievement Awards. Lifetime well deserved. Yes. Well deserved. Yeah. I feel you have done more for the Italian community in your young life Don't than stadiums for people have done in their entirety. That it's making me feel very old. But uh, if I ever needed validation for the fact that I chose to spend my life as a professional Italian American, a week like this certainly does it. And it leads us to the point of really what we came to talk about, which is these amazing traditions and and uh, you know what what we do in our own families. And it's a good chance to just talk a little about traditions and food and how they evolve because sanguinach is a is a kind of controversial topic right i mean i i, I can't see why it is i mean blood sets but, the bar very high but i think so, that um, right? i mean that's I like i think if you're gonna look at anything blood's pretty much up there in terms but of if you take controversial if you were food now, product, yeah but number one i think that in hipster world yeah they're all about the butcher so you have you have multiple divisions within hipster world there are people who are vegetarians people who are vegans and people who insist on butchering the animal themselves. I agree with you. I think the hipsters would really like this. I think the hipsters would really like the blood. Yeah. I mean, and to the two. I mean, if you're going to use the whole animal, the pig is the. They say in Italian, it's the one animal that everything goes to use. Well, let's do this for the audience. I I, I would be very curious to know how many people out there have eaten. Have you eaten this sandwich yet? No, I have not. Oh, it's so we good. have it in the freezer. You know, maybe we yeah, should make you, you eat it. Come on, eat it. Come on. Do you skeeve it really? Oh yeah, not skeeve, but I think it's it's not something that was like ever really. But if I gave it to you, you wouldn't know the difference. You'd be like, I never had it in my life until he made me eat it. So how how do you prepare? So tell me. So take walk us through how you make it because I make it. They made it very different than you do. Because my grandmother's side is from Pianti Sorrento, my grandmother. So I do it their their way. My grandfather's side does different, but I do equal parts blood to milk. So if I use a gallon of pig's blood, I use a gallon of milk. Then offhand, I can't tell you, I use sugar, I use cocoa powder, and you have to boil it. And then it gets to a point, it kind of blossoms. I know this, I don't know. If I'm skeeving you out, just tune me off right now. No, but no, no, no. The boiling mixture has like a blossom. And when it blossoms, it coagulates. It has yeah. a different feel to it. Then I add in unsweetened chocolate. Okay. A specific milk. kind. Yeah, I have my own, I got a Belgian chocolate that I like that has no sugar. I throw that in. Offhand, I couldn't tell you how much. I have it written down at home. And then I throw in cinnamon. Because cinnamon, you want to put it at the end because it loses a little bit, they say, yeah. when it's cooked. Yeah. And then as it's hot, I put it into containers. And then everybody gets some. I'm proud of mine. Uh, I, I make I make a really good sounds, That sounds It's a great sanguinage. Yeah. We should have a sanguinage party for the listeners. That'd be a lot of fun with the big cauldron <laughs> and everybody could turn it in. Yeah. I would love to come and see people watch your stern sanguinage. But you, gotta, you gotta wear a witch's hat. Yeah, that'd be perfect. You in a yeah. cauldron. We yeah. could have a big right. copper pot or caurara that's an abogan. Caurara. The big pot that you cook that kind of stuff in. But we could do whatever. I have a beautiful pot that I cook it in. I believe that. It's Siljan from Milan. I'm it's, sure it, it is, is the yeah. Cadillac. Yeah, oh, my the Cadillac. The Cadillac of, it is of the Cadillac. Yeah, the Cadillac of seven pots. <laughs> you yeah. can't. I got the great. I have the best pot in the world to make this in. It's a Cadillac pot. When I bought this pot, I saw it. I was like, this pot was made for Sanguinage. because it happens. It has an aluminum bottom, 
so the heat is consistent because okay. you don't want to burn it. Yeah. When you're when you're cooking liquids in a large amount, especially well, with sugar, you have to come. One of my questions is that I have a specific pot that I make. Sunday gravy. I know we've got a gravy. No, I'm on the gravy team. <laughs> so Rosella, Rosella's not here. Gravy too, actually. I think it's, I, I Who's think the I'm, most fanatical about that, Rosella? Yeah. Rosella yeah, goes like apoplectic. I think it's safe over. for me to come out on the gravy side. No, it's, it's yeah. great. John came out of the gravy closet. I'm coming out of the pot. I'm on the gravy side. It's a gravy. So I have a specific pot that I make gravy in. What's the pot look like? It's a silver, tall aluminum pot. Aluminum. Uh, I guess I don't know if it's no. The metal's real important. Uh, I don't know. He's gonna change your the life. Metals, the metal super metals, important. The metals He's gonna get you the terracotta pot now. No, you gotta get the terracotta pot. The terracotta pot. Yes. All right. Well, I've cooked my gravy in this every Sunday, and it, I'm not cooking in any of the pot. But what? How did you get this pot? Yeah, it's a good question. Where did it come from? It in the store. You yeah. bought this pot. I bought this pot. Yeah. Well, listen, I come, so it's interesting because I come from a, a family of Italian women that they don't make dinner, they make reservations. So hmm. I. <laughs> you're, re, you're reclaiming traditions. Yeah, I'm re, a reclaiming traditions. So I learned how to cook. Everybody asks me. You know, my grandmother and my mother, they cook, but not generally by choice. And I worked, one of my first jobs was in the church rectory at St. Teresa's in the Bronx. That's the greatest job. I was a rectory worker. Too. I was a rectory worker on Put Saturday Put it there. Night. We, we bond that's over right. that. That's so right. I was in a rectory worker on Saturday That's night. kind of a dead profession. That's it like is, a blacksmith. It is. How many kids today? <laughs> and I find them there today. So Saturday nights, I would work for $20 for four or five hours. But part of my job, aside from, you know, the phone never ring, you had to answer the phone that never rang unless somebody died and then you had to yeah, that was always a bad phone call. <laughs> that was a bad phone call. <laughs> Who's gone now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. And you had to create the arrangements. Was you had to serve dinner in the evening for the priest, and then so I worked with this woman Maria, and she was an excellent cook, and she taught me a how to cook, and also how to cook and clean at the same time, and to be able to serve, and how how to prepare the food, and that's really where I gained a lot of my you know kind of working knowledge of how I cook today was because of her but um, so I have this pot that I inherited myself because we don't have like a traditional family pot that would have been no this pot's down. a super serious yeah, like, conversation so, yeah no, I can imagine so so I don't have a traditional pot that was passed down from you know but the pot I mean I don't want to well, the pot drives a lot of what goes on but That's I don't want to be yeah. a pot bully no, you can't be a pot. No, but I don't want to come in and say your pot's yeah, not the yeah, right pot. Like you, you were coming across and saying that the pot. Said, you said I, I, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. What you're saying. But you got you got to understand something that the pot pots have a function, like they're machines. Yeah, they're right? machines. They're machines. Yeah. So, so, are you going to buy a BMW or are you going to buy yourself a Kia? No, but sometimes <laughs> no, a Kia. Wait, no. hold on, hold on. That's, that's sometimes you need a Kia and sometimes you need a BMW. They're not mutually exclusive. Or you um, can get a horse drawn cart, which is what Pat You could out. get a horse drawn, yeah, sure, I should go walk around in a. It, in a think about it, the, co- the, the terracotta pot is but, a horse drawn No, hold on. Driving, hold on. Are you going to be driving the Chinese bus? That's right. But hold on a minute with this terracotta <laughs> pot. So the pot you have is it, is it aluminum? See, aluminum's bad with tomatoes. They don't want to go together. No, I don't. I, I it's got to be stainless. You're not going to buy. I think it's stainless steel. It has to be. But what's yeah. the bottom made out of? Mm, I don't know. Steel is a terrible conductor of heat. This yeah. is a great piece of advice for our audience. I mean, I think everybody out there has gotten um, to know you're going to get a lot of very specific information from this show. Pat is an expert on how to cook your sauce slash gravy. 
what kind of pods to use. What, I mean, you're, you're an equipment expert, right? Is that fair to say? I, I don't. I mean, you think I am? I think I, mean, I think I, I'm a sick person. Needs a lot of yeah. help. I don't know if that qualifies. You've got a massive like collection. A, no, nobody. Clad. But nobody. Oh, it's an all clad pod. I, I think it is. But I hold on, all clad's an important part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Because all clad has multiple layers of different heat conductors. Okay. So all clad. And if somebody's out there, they might have more of a. Yeah. All clad's known throughout the world. All clad. The yeah. one thing about all clad is. It's aluminum covered in steel or steel covered copper. Copper is yeah. a fantastic conductor of heat. Mm-hmm. The thing with copper is when you make it hot, it gets hot. When you make it cold, it gets cold. Yeah, so there's no in between. Yeah. Aluminum yeah. is an v- excellent condu- conductor of heat. The problem is aluminum reacts with acids. So a tomato and an acid and an aluminum. Now, but the Italian-Americans, the group 100 years ago, they all used aluminum pots. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. Aluminum and tomatoes react. You can't put aluminum in a dishwasher. Yeah. Because there's caustic elements in dishwashing detergent that eat away at aluminum. And aluminum's kind of, um, I guess the way it is as an element, that once it begins to deteriorate, it just takes off. Yeah. Now, there's very high-grade dishwasher detergent that's aluminum-safe. I've never seen it in a commercial. I've never seen it in, I'm, I'm sorry, to connect. Like, like in, in a, a home. Yeah, yeah in home a home, setting. on a home setting. Yeah. Again, copper doesn't want to touch acid. So the copper yeah. pots they had in Italy were tin-lined. What all clad did was... Some of their line has copper that's copper interior and it's con- it's covered in, in aluminum. Okay. Um, sometimes you have a thick bottom to a pot that's in aluminum. That's why the pots are heavy. Yeah. That aluminum heats up and conducts heat, and then it sends okay. it up the walls. Okay. But if you go into tomato, am I going off script here with this? No. But if you go into tomatoes, the problem with, to- the problem with gravy, because now I feel like I'm at peace was always not going to beat me up. I couldn't have this conversation. I would, this show, this the show wars is, would beat me up too if this I This show is the greatest podcast episode that never happened. So it's basically just showing people this is the stuff we do. This is the stuff we talk about. I don't know. I'm, I was here for the ride. This is how our normal conversations go. So if you go back to the tomatoes, if you put it in a... The, you have to understand certain aspects of the cooking of quote-unquote gravy. Is that when you process tomatoes in Italy, if, you, if you've had gravy quote-unquote in Italy... It's more watery than the American product. Because Italian dried tomatoes, especially home tomatoes, are, more, are just they have a higher water content. The same thing with home dried tomatoes here. That's why, if you go back to the historic antecedents of this, it took all Sunday morning to cook that pot of gravy, right? So there's, there's, there's multiple aspects of this. One is that the water content was, was higher in, in, the, in the jars of tomatoes. So you had to cook it longer to cook that steam off to make it thick. That's mm. one point. The second point is that back in Italy, remember something, the stove is a relatively modern invention. Mm. So Benjamin Franklin invents the stove. Mm -hmm. So probably not into the the late 19th, early 20th century does the stove really start to take place in Italy. And in rural parts of Italy, I know in San Mango, people were still using the fire up until the 1970s. Wow. So think about this. In Italy, the fire was basically a charcoal fire. Yeah. So you cooked on charcoal. Right. If you see old pictures of people, even people some will still do it today in Italy, they'll fry zeppelins and stuff on a on a in a cast iron pot over a fire because wow. cast iron is a good conductor of heat. If you see the old cast iron pots, they had a cover on them because you would put coals on top of the pot right. as well as around it. That's a Dutch oven. That's a Dutch oven. Correct. It's a Dutch oven. In in the ancestral Italy, I call it, the Italy of the nineteenth century, you had the copper pots that were lined with tin. And then you had the terracotta pots, which in, in Nabodami called Diana, which they say was named after the town of Teano in the province of Gazeras because they had a very strong uh, terracotta production business. That's kind of where it was well known from. T- 
Terracotta is a number one, it doesn't react with the acid in tomatoes. So you don't have a reactive factor. And secondly, it's a very poor conductor of heat. Oh. But why is that a positive? Because it will never burn the gravy. Because you've got to cook it for a long time at a very low heat. Correct. It's so low and slow. And that's why terracotta beats metal for gravy cooking. So for those of us out there who've not cooked on these, right? Now you bought me one. Correct. Right? And that was the first. That's like my. That's my housewarming. You that's have your housewarming. That's everybody. <laughs> that's a yeah. terracotta. It's okay. a very high honor yeah. gift. That's like you see that pot. And you know that they're friends with me. Yeah. I think everybody should explore this because it is kind of miraculous. First of all, it diffuses the heat. It it doesn't burn. But you got soaking in water the first time. There's, there's a lot of different yeah, little. Explain to everybody. There's multiple schools. The, mm-hmm. the pot has to be cured. Some people cure it by. Um, just boiling water in it. Some people soak it in water overnight. Uh, I know people who rub garlic and oil on it. Um, on the inside, I, on, the in, on the inside, they kind of cure it. I've I've read of tank companies who produce them, counseling the mixture of vinegar and water and boiling it in a fifty-fifty kind of breakdown. Hmm. Um, I do not know. I do not know who's correct. But you soaked it overnight. Yours. I've done different stuff. Yeah, you have to soak it, um, and I've also tried the vinegar and water. So this is this is wow. a product usually. This is only being made in Italy at this point. You're not getting. Nah, Spain makes it. Different um, parts of Italy make different types. Yeah, Puglia's are different because Puglia has a glazed in interior and an unglazed exterior. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. Most everywhere else in Italy, for the best of my knowledge, is a totally uh, glazed pot. I think the word in Spanish is cazuela. Mm, I don't know. Spain. I mean, Spain uses it. Portugal uses it. Um, South America uses it. But this is your number one recommendation for cooking a Sunday. I, I think I have a weakness that I'm a his, historically bent person. So I'm always going to return to the historical aspect. A. B. I think it tastes different. Maybe I'm crazy. And that's basically what we're talking about here. It's you like, should make yeah. a pot of gravy in that and see if it makes a difference. It's a good point. Yeah. We should do say, that. I'd like to try that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We'll have a little like try. Or a little taste off. A blind taste test. Yeah. We'll give you one. That'd be interesting. Ooh. One in the metal. One in exactly. the. Exactly. And see yeah. if you could taste the difference between all wow. of them. That's a good idea. Some people, I know a lot of old school Italians that freak if any metal spoons touch tomatoes. They only use wooden spoons. I don't because think my the, mother uh, uses a metal spoon for anything. The wooden spoon in our house is used for everything. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who feel they freak out if metal touches tomatoes. In the I never houses. really thought of that. I'm yeah. going to try it. Now, if you want to know something interesting, our ancestors, remember, the jars came about through the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. So the French... Um, Napoleon needed a way to feed his troops in Russia. Didn't help, but he tried to win that <laughs> war. And a guy in France basically won a contest and came up with a jarring method. Yeah, they held it. a huge national contest. Huge national contest. Now, the Neapolitan word, the Neapolitan word for jars, boat. I don't know what you call it in Italian. Latte, I guess. Boat is the Neapolitan word. But remember something. Before the tomato entered the southern Italian scene, the main Sunday meal was the menesta maridad, which was cooked greens mm-hmm. and meat. It either could be fresh meat or it could have been dried sausage. The wedding soup, basically. The Italian wedding soup was what people ate on Sunday before tomatoes took over. Mm-hmm. The first tomato product used to make gravy was paste, because mm. you don't need to jar paste. So you would lay the tomato sauce, I guess, if you want to call it, and it would dry, sun-dry, which they still do in Sicily, and then you would scrape it together put in a terracotta container hmm. and cover it with oil. That was your paste. That was your paste. And then you would scoop out that the oil was the the oils were kept it preserved. Preserved. Yeah, yeah. preserved. You would scoop out the paste 
and dilute the paste with water. That, that's why they, the people who came probably in the 1890s and 1880s, that's what the process they were used to. Remember, glass was very expensive. It's amazing when you say that because it explains why my mom's family that came over so much earlier makes a much more paste-laden sauce than my dad's family, which came over much later. I mean, my mom's family uses a lot of paste and sugars. Oh, yeah. and, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, total, it's a different, sauce. thicker gravy yeah. than exactly. my dad's side. Yeah. Sugar is very old. Sugar, a lot of people freak out. The adding of the little bit of sugar goes far back. Let's get back to the, the question of the raviolis we had. The raviolis that we had in the attempted Sanguinacci episode, the raviola, <laughs> are seasoned with sugar. You could tell, too. Sure, because the, 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 before the New World, before 1492, the predominant medieval palate was sweet and sour. Yeah. So the concept of a dessert, there was much more of a mixed up yeah, that's, that's sweets and sa- sweet and, and sour throughout a meal. In the medieval world, the what we have here, where we have a first course, second course, and we have we end with a dessert. Also, those raviolis, like you know, um, our, our Gabe Batista from Philadelphia says on the Abutes ravioli has sugar in it. Um, so, uh, Sicily, parts of Campania, they have a sweetened ravioli because it dealt with a sweet and sour profile in a meal. And those, a lot of times, they were they were dressed with like a butter sauce before the tomato came on the scene. Like like gnocchi on the Sorrentine Peninsula probably were they were probably seasoned with ground walnuts really and parsley sure because remember tomato was the game changer I mean think about this uh, you know I have these these old Neapolitan cookbooks you it, it's fascinating to read a Neapolitan cookbook before tomato became the dominant it's a to, it's it's yeah. totally it, it different could, it, yeah. I mean in many ways those recipes could be medieval Britain and and that was really the the idea of, of the episode originally was we were going to talk about Sanguinaccia. It's rolling Carnival in Napoli, leading into Lent. Le- you know, it's, it's chocolate, it's it's blood, it's mm-hmm. rich, it's you know, it's 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 perfect for that holiday. But then I wanted to talk to you about this food fundamentalism because you have kept this recipe alive. You you've reintroduced it to me. Uh, obviously, Alyssa will get there at some point and eat yep. this thing. Do you want to have tasting? <laughs> Maybe. Mm, I don't. Know. Come on, everybody's listening. I, mean, I have it in the freezer. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. I but don't know I, if I have it in me right now. But it is late. We could blindfold but I you with jello to, pudding and see if you could. You wouldn't know the difference between pudding, I have to say. It tastes okay. like chocolate pudding. But I wanted to talk about your food fundamentalism and the idea that you preserve these things. Because you, you are now like in an active group out there in the world. There's, um, wow, it's an interesting conversation to get into. I have a group of friends in Italy. Um, a friend of mine, Angie Caffiero, who passed away in her 50s, very unexpectedly from cancer last year, was a journalist in Italy who worked. um, Her passion was recipes. She wasn't really into cooking as much as she was into preserving recipes and the history behind recipes. So I've known her forever and about maybe six, seven years ago, she puts me in the, you know how people add you into Facebook groups and you just accept, especially more than the now, called... uh, an Italian fundamentalisti gastronomici, food fundamentalists, a gastronomic fundamentalist. So I just, yes, I paid no attention to it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess a year or two in, one time I see this horrible post about the United States. And it was somebody took like one of those horrific 
some really bad American food experience and posted it on Facebook. Said, "Oh, look at how these Americans eat!" And I flipped oh, out because gosh, yeah. I, I don't have a tolerance for 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 that type of co- ignorant co- comments that are not based in fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just told this woman. I said, "Listen, you have no idea what America's like. Like you took one bad experience, and now you know. Sure, are there food disasters in America? Sure, they are. And there's actually this this tremendous food positives in America. It's a very, much yeah. more balanced, nuanced, Agreed. and diverse story in a very in a country that's almost the size of your continent." <laughs> So, because I'm whacked and I and I, <laughs> and I work on and that's how my mind works, I just start po- posting constantly. <laughs> and living in the New York metro area, living in northern New Jersey, there's so many food experiences. I mean, yeah. there is nowhere in the world where you have the diversity of food and taste that you have here. And so I would constantly go out and take pictures and post it in this group and say, no, Americans are not ignorant. This is not America. And I got very involved in the group posting stuff because I made a lot of friends there because... I think I changed. I changed some minds. As people have said this to me because we have a different view of America now from what you've posted. Oh wow! So um, food fundamentalists. One group. One thing about them in Italy is that what they've come back to tell me is that the Italian American recipes, a lot of them, are much more original than what they have in Italy now. Yeah, but, and so the oh. in ways, we're like the missing link in sure. Italian food history, yeah. and I love that. Like. So, you know, you collect Neapolitan cookbooks. Um, I collect, believe it or not, the Italian-American cookbooks written for Italian clubs in the 50s and 60s because these are recipes from old ladies that were cooking in the 20s and 30s and enjoying their retirement in the 50s and 60s. And their recipes are, some of them, really, really sort of out there, uh, missing link recipes that I get to find in these things. And they're all hand-typed and stuff. Alyssa, you talked about the fact that your family was not a traditional cooking family. So you learned from yes. a co-worker. Yep. You actually cooking cook. her recipes? You'll no, never, John, it's just I mean, more about, no, not necessarily her recipes, but how to handle, how to handle different food, flavors, um, and really just testing with creativity with flavors, I think. So, so do you have family recipes? I do. There's some family recipes I have, like stuffed artichokes. Those are some of my favorites. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Uh, Macaroni pie. My, you know, my Sunday gravy. What I is make. your macaroni pie? This, let's, let's, this is fascinating. Oh, uh, the macaroni is pie. Is this your Easter pie? Um, yeah, but sometimes my grandmother will make it just like just because, or like around Christmas, sometimes I'll ask for the macaroni pie, even though it's not kind of off-season. So uh, it's funny you can't have yeah, these things off season. Yeah, off season. Feel a little guilty. Yeah, so like, a little bit. Right, let's get because I'm, I'm interested in the history of this. Because let's sure. So I'm not necessarily. Was sure. it regard spaghetti and black pepper? Is it sweet or savory? It's savory. So there's so um, it's it's black pepper probably. Yeah, black pepper. Um, Ricotta. Some, some ricotta, the pepperoni. So we got some some meat in there as well, and with an egg, and she whisked the egg within the pan. So there's egg. no shell. No there's shell. no there's no dough. Yeah, there's no dough. No, it's all dough. So she makes this. Obviously, you boil the spaghetti in a separate pot, and then you're making this. You whisk the egg and the ricotta together, and you dice up the pepperoni, and you you know kind of mix it all together. And you literally, once the macaroni boils, you pull it into the same pot. You kind of, I guess, mix it all together, and then you bake it. Oh, so that's on the acera side. Yes. Yeah. All right. There's a reason. See. People don't understand this. Yeah. Naples, the city of Naples itself. Mm-hmm. 
People say that they think that fre- I'm gonna say macaroni. I, I don't have to say pasta. I feel like so free. No, we can ban because pasta. Because the, the the police are not here. Yeah. The oh, okay. yeah. oh, the, 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 the dynamic duo. I don't yeah, have to drop okay. their names. Right. I'm not allowed to say macaroni. So it's gravy I can't. and macaroni. I say gravy. So I'm with my own people. I don't know Thank what you. <laughs> now nah, there's two listen. two right. females on here. I'm the female. I don't know. I'm the mother. I say all right. So break some rules. That's all I'm here to do tonight. Historically, in the south of Italy. See, f- grain was always a, a risk because yeah. we lived off of grain. And Semolina came in, Durham, we came in through the Arabs, through Sicily. Um, so it's different. The Romans probably, the, the macaroni the Romans made was, was lagunum. Lasagna comes from the Latin word for noodle. Yeah. yeah. So if you go back to medieval dishes, you'll have lagunum with um, butter and, and cinnamon, completely different taste profile. They had lasagna, which would be a stack. The lasagna noodle, I guess you would say, and then butter and cinnamon, completely different than what you'd imagine today. When you had the soft macaroni that was made from the, the soft flour that the Romans had, you'd have like um, lagana at Gigi, you'd have chickpeas with kind of long, kind of fettuccine-type noodles. So in the south of Italy, what happened is if you grew flour, as you need, I'm sorry, if you grew wheat, but as you needed flour, you'd send one of your kids down to the grist mill, with a bag of, of uh, wheat kernels, and the, the mill would, grain, would grind it, and the mill would keep a percentage of the flour to sell in the city. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to pay for grinding, they just took a piece of the action. Okay. Now the reason you had to do this was because grain was very susceptible to going um, bad, mm-hmm. going like, boom, like moldy. Yep. So, so you could only, because yeah. it had the, the bran in it, so you could only grind Grain was ground usually every six weeks. Every six weeks to every month to two months, you would make your bread and everything else. So you'd, you'd send the kid down every six weeks to get the grain ground. The problem was rats. So vermin that existed would threaten the wheat supply. And if you were in a place like the Two Sicilies, which kind of had food issues. I mean, the whole world did at the sure. time, famines and stuff yeah. like that. Your, your, um, your goal was to keep the food supply as safe as possible and to avoid rats, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. So what they realized was if you could take the flour and cook it into rusks, which we call frizzale or panna biscottada or panna duos, if you could cook it into rusks, bake it, you know, bake it into hard, which a rusk is kind of like a hard, dried out toast almost, mm-hmm. that would preserve it for a long time. Now the Greeks make this, the Greeks probably brought this into Campania, mm. Because Banaduos, the Frisea was really, besides Puglia and Campania, that's where it's really probably at its, 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 its strength, where it's most popular. So you would take these rusks and dip them into water, salted water. Fishermen would take them on boats. That's why salt water, I think, had a lot to do with the, the way they would be wetted. And then you would coat them with vegetables or with soup or whatever. Um, and this was, the, this was the safest way to keep flour from being contaminated by, by vermin. What came from that is in the 16th and 17th centuries, I think it was by the 17th century, the Bourbons began to realize, I guess it would be the 18th then, the, during the Bourbon reign, they realized mm-hmm. that even better than frizzale was to turn the flour into macaroni because that kept even longer, better, and safer, and rats didn't seem to like it. Hmm. Oh. So rats weren't attracted to eating raw macaroni. So the Bourbons for food safety, because remember, if, if your people are hungry, that's the, the easiest way to trigger a revolution. Sure. So if you kept a lot of macaroni around, 
then it was the safest way to keep make sure that your city, a city like Naples, that was what third biggest in Europe at the time, mm-hmm. was well fed. Yeah. So Campania has a long tradition of what they call in Italy not pasta shuta, which is the dried macaroni that you find on the shelf. So I found on the Food Channel years, during the Mario Batali height of Food Channel, a lot of people incorrectly believed that the boxed macaroni was a kind of an Italian convenience food, and the real product was the fresh homemade one. Yeah. The fresh, if you lived in a rural part of Italy, like the Cilento or Calabria or Basilicata, your ancestors made three or four different macaroni shapes. And they would take their flour to the mill and they would get it processed every six weeks and they'd make that macaroni from that. But the city of Naples was always hard macaroni. Naples and the environing province, mm-hmm. right? So because it was part of their food safety. So if you take a sound like Acera, Acera would have always had that hard spaghetti would have yeah. been very much part of their tradition. So you would have made, and that was an Easter pie probably. Yes. That was yes. an Easter pie which would have been eaten on Holy Saturday at noon, yep. Acera would have had that strong macaroni tradition with a Cilento wouldn't have. Mm. That makes sense. It's funny. We, 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 my family used to make macaroni pie and then stopped. And probably stopped when I was pretty young. My grandmother must have stopped. And we, we continued to make meat pies and grain pies. But for some reason, the macaroni who, pie... Who, whose side was that? I mean, I knew you guys... My were, father's mother from Sanza. No, there's some... In the Cilento... There is, um, I know Enjoy, they make their beats, I think they make one of their beats again, so actually like Rigatoni. Yeah. So it's not totally out, but these are later things that came in. Because remember, now with the, like, you know, the Gato Pardo type of... Um, that was my next point. Tim- yeah. Timpano, that became kind of a, a fashionable thing. Because you remember, Italian food has evolved. It's an evolutionary, you know, it's changing, it's changed, will change. You know, Nutella is, is such a flagship Italian product now, it was unknown before the, you know, before the war. So... I wouldn't say that it's completely removed from there. It's just something that came later. You talk about the timbalo. It's a great point for us to take on here in terms of food fundamentalism. Easter pies, I know everybody has their traditions, and I think that's, probably, 10 episodes. that's another episode. That's another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, we have, at least once in a conversation, we'd say that's another episode. But Easter pies, everybody makes. I think everybody makes some version. But I tried to experiment one year. Um, you know that I'm a gigantic fan of the leopard, the Gatto Pardo, a famous novel from the 20th century describing the fall of the Sicilian aristocracy. And in it, they have this great scene where they have the giant ball and they eat this timbalo. And it's described in such detail that every time I read the book, I read about the way they cut this crust and the smell and the, the smoke comes out and the scent of cinnamon and chicken and liver. And I could never put these things together in my head they, they never made sense so I tried to do a pat and reverse engineer the recipe and I went to every source I could dig into I mean Sicilian cookbooks and articles and uh, archaeological evidence and photos mm-hmm. and I came up with this timbalo which uh, well you've been able to have it right it's fantastic it's like, yeah. I think it's, it's like, like heart attack it's like my favorite <laughs> it's thing it's like ever. your favorite thing you if you have a if I eat yeah. I had it for breakfast the next day. It was better cold. Yeah, I think you're like, oh. you are like my number one fan for this. It thing. was like that. It was like if gluttony could be a yes. pie. It's got like it was like if gout. If, yeah. if you want to get gout, <laughs> yes. if you're looking Eat to get bottle. gout, this is what you need to do. It yeah. is just. It was. It was not a. It was a bomb. Yeah, it's a not bomb. a bomb. Bomb like a bomb in the tank. It was just like a. It was like a. It exploded with taste, flavor, texture. Quail eggs, truffles, and it was white. It was not. There was no tomatoes in it. No, just a touch of tomatoes, a couple of tablespoons, but very, very little. Yeah, I mean, you don't. 
It's you fantastic. Don't pick it up, it's like I, you have one slice and you're done. I think we did a good job. I should, oh, put, I should I post the recipe online for people. If you can make it and send pictures, it is intense. It's got. Oh, it's big night. Yeah, it's big night. I mean, it's big night. That's I mean, right. that's um, the movie. I think that ziti that we know now, the original ziti was long like spaghetti. It was the tube that we have now, broken by hand in pieces. I think if you use that, it builds better. But I don't know if you know something. Do you notice how macaroni boxes are always blue? Yeah. Yeah. That's because the paper they were wrapped in up in was blue paper. How do you know that? My grandma used to tell me this. We wow. had we had we had an Italian. Um, I come from fruit and vegetable. I have fruit and vegetables on both sides of my mother's side. <laughs> like how you say that. Okay. I, I come. No, I, I come from fruits and vegetables. I always I, say. Yeah, I come from fruits and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Both come out of the farm. Yeah. yeah. No, but both of my grandparents' families were in the fruit and vegetable business, and my grandmother who used to tell me that in the old days, the macaroni would be in drawers in the store. Yeah. So you would buy it in bulk and it would be in a drawer. So you'd come in and oh. say, I want so much. And they would scoop it out of the drawer for that particular shape. And they would pack it in a blue paper. Wow. A blue paper cone type thing. And my grandmother said that the broken up pieces, like when you were cleaning it out, that would go in a separate drawer. So you know like if you go the, the macaroni, like the, the mishkata yeah. macaroni, yeah. and that would go cheaper. Yeah. So that's why people wow. would buy that for Boston Vizula and stuff like that because it cooked well. And if you want a budget, that was, yeah. that was the cheap, that was the, that was the clearance up. That's where the blue, the blue boxes come from. Wow. I love, I love talking to you about this stuff because I love how much you know about so much random. You are a font of random knowledge. That has absolutely right? no, yeah, that's absolutely. It's, it's useful for this show it and it's is. useful for our audience. So I'm going to give you credit before we sign off with one last story of what where we I got time. I got a few more. Hold on, we're not done. Keep going. <laughs> well, I, I got to share with everybody. You talk about your ability to reverse engineer and dig into <laughs> recipes and know this our, stuff. Our history was written in food. Yes, it's absolutely true. That's right. I've always believed that. Yeah. Our history, Italian you history, can track is written people in food. by Correct. food. So, like one of the ways that you really helped me was on Christmas Eve. Now we, we, we did our Christmas Eve special. I, you know, we shared with people kind of what we made, but we didn't really get into detail of my. Scungy sauce, which has been a yes. big issue in my family. Do you use canned scungeal? Yes. Because I, I want to recreate I do. this. I use canned yeah. scungeal. I never use fresh scungeal. I just think it's it's a lot more work, and I actually like the taste of the yeah, canned sauce. The so, canned one is better. The yeah. fundamentalist gastronomics cannot believe that we eat scungeal. Why? Because it's passe. They didn't even know. Uh, I've had conversations with them. Really? It's a, yeah. And we we keep the scungeal. really found it rem- like so... Bizarre. Bizarre that yeah. we were eating. Conch- and we thought that this, you know, when we went there, because we hadn't spoken to my cousins in a long time, we get reconnected. And when we went there and we told them, you know, we're talking about traditions at the table. We said, well, on Christmas we have, you know, a scungeal. And they're like, what's that? And we explained that it. scungeal has gone. And they, they they had no understanding that we would even eat, like, the, the Fr- conch. And, yeah. Friends of mine, Piani, fishermen give it away. Because people really? are, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Puglia, for some reason, Scungeal has held on. But we are the Scungeal keepers of the flame here. That's amazing. In the United me. States. In the United States, yes. This is incredible. We are the Scungeal torch flame. <laughs> yeah, we are the torch bearers. <laughs> go, I'm sorry. We cut bears. off. Go back to your... But no, so I, I still make it on Christmas Eve because okay. to me it's normal. I still eat it yeah. at a lot of restaurants because you can still get it at a lot of restaurants. Yeah. And uh, I my goal had always been to replicate my grandmother's sauce but evolve it a little bit towards the sauce from Vincent's restaurant on Mott Street, which, yep. you know, I, I love Vincent's. It's one of my favorite places. 
and I had all of these experimental versions of it that I, I nobody could figure out what, what their sauce is made from. Mm-hmm. It's a big secret, been forever. And I read 20 articles where, you know, culinary sure. magazine, who was trying to dissect it. Some people said they use beef stock. Some people said they use fish stock. Some people said they use so online articles about Vincent's. online yeah. or, or or even like literally. I was getting phone calls. Like I, my aunt knew a guy who knew a guy who said he knew the cousin, and it was coffee. So we had to put espresso in the thing. And everybody everybody had all these different theories. And then I spoke to you about it, and you said I should use chocolate, dark chocolate. chocolate. So which I did. So I, I had many many versions of it over the years. Well, Some sweet. years I tried chocolate and coffee together and it, finally this year I decided okay just dark chocolate onions regular sauce I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to give it away but it came out almost perfect how did you reverse engineer that? because I know in Mente di Sorrento that they have a traditional of adding dark chocolate to tomatoes because you have to understand something when tomatoes came from the new world they came with the pep. they came with peppers beans because the only beans that the Romans really knew were chickpeas um, eggplant. Matter of fact, if you look at the old pre-Columbian food, a lot of it from the Romans into the pre-Columbian era, so say 1492, 1491, um, the south of Italy depended on spices from places like India. So cumin and stuff like that, things that we would say, I think, as um, Indian spices today, were, were present on the Roman table. But the problem is that between the Roman era and the 1490s, mm-hmm. all of the Crusader era tensions that pitted the West against the Middle East, it became treacherous almost for spice traders to pass from the Middle East into the New World. So what happened was places like Spain said, why are you going to use all this stuff that is dangerous, that keeps the Venetian, you know, that's how Venice basically yeah. made its money. So new flavors, were the new flavors that were propagated were the stuff that was coming from the New World. Mm-hmm. And some stuff that came from the Arab world, things like eggplant that entered. Mm-hmm. But the spice trade decreased. But when chocolate first entered, remember this, when chocolate first entered Italy, and it goes back to Sanguinach, it, it came with the flow of products from Mexico, and it came at the same time tomatoes. So there are some very old recipes that add dark, unsweetened chocolate to tomato sauce. Well... This was, and of course you were able to. Mate doesn't. Mate di Sorrento has a family that owned the restaurant. That's where they were from, and I, and I think it tastes fantastic. I don't know if the people from Vincent's would uh, agree or disagree that we've cracked their secret code, but whether or not it's if we di- if we disappear after this, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, we I'll know be we did it. Right? Next week, <laughs> That's right. It'll be all one hour, a whole new yeah, cast on the Power Hour next week. On the Power Hour, yeah. you know. But it really was an amazing. Amazing. Uh, you, you have to understand something. A lot of our food traditions were handicapped by the intrinsic poverty of a, of people. One thing that a lot of Italian Americans don't realize is that the rich in Italy never ate like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your great grandfather um, had a zappa, had to go plow a field. Yeah. <laughs> for a count who didn't eat what he ate, who yeah. ate a rarefied, Frenchified, go Francophilic, I guess. Yeah, Francophile. Francophile, yeah. Ostrich, uh, ostrich, ostrich egg. And you know, butter and ham. and yeah. Right. So yeah. if you look at the Monzu, because the Santaville had a Monzu tradition, which is a corruption of the French word monsieur, mm-hmm. where they would bring in, rich people would bring in French cooks. Because remember, the Santaville had a strong connection with, with the court of Versailles. Mm-hmm. 
So um, the Rajdi Kazert in Versailles are the homes of two sisters. Yeah. Maria Carolina and Maria, Maria Antoinette. Yeah. So French cooking entered Italy through Naples all the time. Yeah. That's where pastry cream and that sort of thing Absolutely, comes from. Yeah. So um, a lot of these dishes, if you're like, well, it seems bizarre to put chocolate in tomato sauce because your ancestors couldn't, our ancestors couldn't afford yeah. chocolate, yeah. but there was a rich guy who could. Right. And his, it would have been on his table. Our people would never have known it. Now his kids never had to come to America because they're still loaded. They yeah. were loaded because yeah. money in Italy never moves, so they're still there. <laughs> so it just changes hands. Yeah, right, but to go back to Sanguinacci, if I could just say this about Sanguinacci, why Italians eat a chocolate? Number one, the chocolate blood pudding was either spread on bread in the old days, or they would use like yakita, nocca, wand, different places. Different, the, the basically bow tie cookies, bow ties, right? The fried bow tie. So that would be the spoon that you ate the Sanguinacci with. When the Spanish went to Mexico. The Aztecs were drinking hot chocolate. There was hot chocolate made from human blood. Mm-hmm. So when humans were sacrificed, and the Aztecs did an awful lot of that, they would mix the blood of the sacrificed human with chocolate and red hot pepper. That's why Modica and Sicily. Modica and Sicily makes basically Mexican type of chocolate because that's how the original chocolate tasted. So think about this. The Spanish find Aztecs Drinking a, a hot chocolate made from human blood, chocolate, and hot pepper. So you're not going to use human blood. So what are you going to use? Sure. Pig, Pig blood. blood because nothing means mm-hmm. you're Spanish as much as eating pork. Because remember, yeah. Yeah. Spaniards ate pork to show that they weren't Moors. Oh, yeah, I'm not a Moor because I eat pork. That's why Spain and pork are so closely married. And for those in the audience out there who are not necessarily historians, Spain was reconquered from the Moors, the, the Islamic Moors, in 1492 was the Correct. end of the reconquest. So... You, all this stuff is coming together at the same point, right? You talk about hundreds of years of Islamic control of portions of the uh, Iberian Peninsula, and yeah, it's so all the, coming together in this. Right. So then, so Italians get the hot. They get Italians get the the pig's blood. They have the hot pig's blood coming out of the pig. They mix it with the chocolate and the sugar. They the same way they learned from the Spanish. So the the Southern Italians were replicating what they had learned from the Spanish, who had learned it in, from the Aztecs. And because Naples and Sicily were at that point part of the Aragonese Spanish Correct. Empire, I don't think people people sort of take for granted that you know so much of our food is New World food because at that point Naples and Sicily were really that's why very much attached to the New World and the Spanish imperial chain more so than the rest of Europe actually. I mean, if you if you the modern chocolate capital is Switzerland, mm-hmm. the ancient chocolate capital is Maltica. Modica, Sicily. Modica, yeah. Sicily. Modica, a Baroque. This, yeah. Sure, and you have in Modica a Baroque city. Mm-hmm. You get Baroque chocolate. Yeah, it's true. You're eating ancient yeah. chocolate. Basically. So, so you're, you're eating ancient chocolate, but it all loops around. So, I mean, the history of the south of Italy's Spanish domination comes right down the Sanguinacci. That's why yeah. I think it's so important, even if you don't really... I think it's delicious. I do, too. I have to say. I, I think it tastes like... I mean, it's like a, a much richer chocolate pudding. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean... We should have blind tasted... I, we should I never mean, have told you. Yeah. No, I'll, we, I'll we be, dropped the ball on this have one. To do the blind tasting, though. Let's try. But the, if you had known you and you just ate it, I'd have one scoop. Listen, I'll try anything once. No, no, nope. not right now, though. No, <laughs> it's, I'll try anything once. Chicken, right yeah, yeah someday, right? How about, a, no. how about a espresso spoon? No, no, it's okay. Come on, you. come on, you're um, a tough girl. Right. I have a big spoon with you. Come on. On the next episode of the Tower Hour, that message came across loud and clear. Yeah, thank you. 
but this was an absolute honor and a privilege. Oh, we're so happy to you. have you yeah, here. I think you. Pat and I are going to sit around. We, call, but we didn't even finish our conversation, did we? Go back I want to have a Sanguinach festival. No, I love Sanguinach. I really like Sanguinach for the sake of Sanguinach. Well, we should do it. We should invite the... the you can still get it in the Bronx. There. Let's do it. Arthur yeah, Revy in the Bronx, you can still get it. One of the bakeries in the Bronx still makes it. I'm not going to remember which one. I would love to make it cool again. My dream was to make that Isles and beer, like the next big... That'll I want people hat. to drink. Make Sanguinach cool again. That'll be our hat come uh, election season. But I mean, like, every, I think if we got enough of hipsters. All right, for the audience out there, if you want Pat's Sanguinach recipe, if you're going to make it and you're going to send us a video of your Sanguinach eating experience... Or if you're in the tri-state area, maybe Pat will bring you some of his because we do want to. Get Nobody wants to, yeah, because like my own family's like it is delicious. It's it delicious. Is, it's, it's a if you don't know, for people who kind of like, if you're not, on the fence, Pat will be the evangelist for Sanguinacci. I'll bring it right. to you. Sanguinacci Fest. Yeah, sure. I'll be driving around Fest. North Jersey. And you'll be here hanging out in New York playing with the dog. So for uh, so my life goes on for sharing this really interesting take into our. Does anybody producers. else make it? I'd love to know. You are it? you are you Sanguinach? Dude, we should have a Sanguinach Facebook group. <laughs> are you out there? Make make yourself known. Oh Write to us if you're out Tell there. Tell us. Put Sanguinach in the subject line. Fine. That's yeah. it. I make Sanguinach in the subject line. You know, it's, a, it's actually a great topic to bring up because you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at the Italian American Power Hour. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Italian Power HR. And just this week, actually, you can now find us at www.italianpower.com, and you can write to us there. So reach out to us. Thanks for joining us in this wild look through our Italian-American lives and uh, what kind of makes us qualified to do this every week, which is the ways we choose to spend our time. And one of the most precious ones is preserving the culinary traditions that, in some cases, take us back all the way to the Colombian Exchange. So... Hopefully next time we're uh, we're in the neighborhood, you can come enjoy this treat with us. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of the Power Hour. We would be so much better if we could say what we wanted to say. Wouldn't it be nice if we could say everything we really want to say? <laughs> that, that's gonna be that should be the cold. Over. That would that would be a good podcast. Yeah, everything that's we really want to say, but we can. What produced the greatest singers? Frank Sinatra, Louis Prima, and Caruso. How about the painters and musicians? Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Donizetti. Olive oil and spaghetti. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino. Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with ravioli.